Do you know how to combine fruits, veggies, and superfoods into a meal that actually tastes good? Do you have the spare time to find the best nutritionist-supported recipes and the highest quality ingredients? I used to love experimenting in the kitchen, but now that I'm a busy mom, I need something fast but still nourishing. Can you relate? Well, you can get all of your superfoods super fast with Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest sends Superfood Eats straight to your door with your choice of smoothies, activated breakfast bowls, soups, or even ice cream, vegan sundaes. Just place the single serving cups in your freezer until you're hungry, then add water, maybe coconut or almond milk, and blend or heat. In just 30 seconds, you have an insanely delicious and nutritious meal. Each cup is made from a yummy blend of fruits, veggies, and nutrients, always perfectly complemented with a superfood boost. Produce from Daily Harvest is organic and unrefined, and it looks as amazing as it tastes. You can actually see the whole ingredients when you open up the cup. Daily Harvest works closely with local farmers across the U.S. and freezes all ingredients at peak freshness to seal in the maximum nutritional value, unlike other fruits and veggies that are picked and packaged long before their nutritional peak. My favorite during these cozy fall days is the mushroom miso soup. See for yourself. You can eat right, right now with Daily Harvest. For all my U.S. listeners, go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code YOGAGIRL to get three items free off your first box. That's promo code YOGAGIRL for three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com. daily-harvest.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. So I'm sitting in my office right now, and I have kind of a funky feeling in my body. Theme of this week's podcast is a really heavy one and I'm about to dive into some storytelling uh, that I know is going to be really, really hard and really challenging. Um, This week's topic is the Me Too movement. So unless you've been living under a rock somewhere, I'm sure you have seen the Me Too hashtag um, trending on every single social media platform out there. So it's about voicing our own stories that we have uh, in our past in terms of sexual abuse, harassment, and rape. And this hashtag, actually, it's not a brand new hashtag. It was started, I think, uh, a lot of years ago, but it's trending now uh, through Hollywood and a lot of actresses there that have been sharing their accounts of sexual abuse uh, in the film industry. And now it's kind of taking the world by storm and so many women and so many Uh, Different countries and cultures and industries are coming forward, sharing their own accounts of abuse. And it's a a beautiful movement. You know, this is such a heavy, heavy, difficult thing to talk about. But the more I read, the more I think about my own stories and my own life, the more insane it becomes (laughs) that uh, we've never spoken about this before. Like now, I, I really, I can look back at these points, these moments I'm going to share in, in a moment, and I, I think about them, and I, and I go, how, how have I never told anyone about this? How have I deemed all of this normal and mundane? And I think as a woman, it's just been something that it's, it's totally normal uh, to be degraded or demeaned or uh, harassed by men. It's just something that we grow up with really early on. So the fact that now, <laughs> I think for the first time, this is really rising to surface and people feel brave enough to share their stories. I believe this is much bigger than just a hashtag. It's much bigger than a social media or an online movement. I really believe that this is changing something. And I can see it in my own community. I can see it in my in my friendships and the girlfriends that I have and how we are talking about these things. I see it in my my sisters who are teens um, and kind of how, how their approach to uh, to being a woman, how different it is already now uh, than from what it was, from what it was when I grew up. So 
I'm not just hopping aboard this kind of uh, social media trend. I really believe that by sharing these stories, we are all contributing to making a change. Uh, and for me specifically right now, this is, I mean, this topic has been ongoing for, for a long time. And I shared on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, uh, just a very, I mean, Instagram is so limiting. It doesn't allow you to really speak deeply about things, but I shared just tiny little bits of accounts of things that have happened to me uh, in my past. And uh, I thought I'd take a moment just to read through that right now. So this was uh, October 16th. So yeah, already a month and a half ago, time flies. Um, and it goes like this. I almost posted a Me Too last night, but I changed my mind. I've never been brutally raped, I told myself. Nothing horrible, nothing bad ever happened to me. I'm so lucky. Well, I spent the day thinking and it seems I forgot a couple of things. I forgot about that time I was on the beach with my dogs when a guy approached me openly masturbating, looking me in the eye as he ejaculated. I forgot about the three times in my life, three, that I was drugged while out dancing, probably with the intent of rape. All three times I was lucky enough to be found by a friend before something awful happened. More awful than having an unknown substance slipped into your drink that left you vomiting and unconscious, that is. I forgot about the time I was waiting for my turn in the bathroom line and a guy walked by and casually shoved his hand up my skirt and tried to bry his fingers up my vagina. I forgot about the time I was out with a friend in Spain and two proper looking guys bought us a beer. While talking, they turned to each other and discussed in detail, in between polite questions about our vacation, which one of us they would take turn raping first. They didn't know I was fluent in Spanish. I forgot about the time I ran for my life to escape a large, scary group of guys who groped me and chased me down the street after I declined their offer to get some. A cab stopped at a light as I turned a corner, and even though it was occupied, I jumped in. I'd lost my purse running, but I didn't care. I don't remember ever being so scared. But I forgot. I forgot about a lot of things. What I'll never forget is the time when an acquaintance called to tell me he'd found one of my best friends passed out in the gutter, naked. Her clothes were ripped to shreds in a pile by her side. Bruises covered her legs. At the hospital, they told us, this happens a lot. She shouldn't have been walking home on her own. I won't forget that. Or the myriad accounts of rape and sexual abuse shared with me by girlfriends, each more awful than what I went through. After all, I dubbed it all so common, so mundane, it wasn't even worth remembering. This happens a lot. Yeah, we know. So just reading this, reading my own words, I mean, I, I wrote this. Uh, and how, how Instagram works for me is, is I, I generally only share, I mean, I share pictures of my baby or a sunset or, you know, like little things here and there. Um, whenever I share a deep caption or something that's, you know, really thought through something that's, that's serious and real that I'm moving through in my life, it's always a spur of the moment thing. Like I'm feeling something intensely and I just write about it until I run out of space in on Instagram and I post and I post whatever. And it's always those posts that I get the biggest response from. And what was hard for me about sharing that post is I literally spent a day or two walking around kind of, you know, talking to some friends and saying, oh, you know, I, nothing ever happened to me. I'm so lucky. Like, isn't it crazy? Nothing ever happened to me. I, and I said that sentence like a hundred times. Nothing ever happened to me. Nothing happened to me. And I traveled the world my whole life. And I was always a party girl. I was always out doing things. Nothing ever happened to me. And then it started sounding like a little off that sentence. Nothing ever happened to me. Uh, and I realized, oh, like I hadn't even opened that door like it was so terrifying for me just to open that door of looking at the abuse or the harassment that I've been through in my own life because it's a fucking rabbit hole like it's like opening Pandora's box like I don't even know what's in there um, and a part of me is even worried like is there 
are there worse things in my past that I've repressed or suppressed or kind of pushed away that I don't even want to touch on? Um, because these things, like the things I just shared, like this is really heavy, horrible stuff, like really heavy, really, really horrible things. Like I was drugged <laughs> with intent to rape. Um, I was 14 the first time that happened. I mean, it's it's insane. Like I ran for my life to escape rape. Like that that's happened to me and several times. Um, and the fact that somehow in my mind, I've made this into like, oh, nothing ever happened to me. That's really scary. That's really scary. This idea of, of, of just, you know, trying to make it normal. Like I've lived my whole life thinking that, yeah, it's, it's normal to feel terrified walking home um, from whatever. If you're walking home from a bar late at night or walking home from a yoga class late at night, like it's totally normal as a woman to feel afraid, to, to not walk um, down an alleyway or to always have your phone in your hand prepared, you know, if something were happen. Like we're, we're taught that these things are just common and normal. <laughs> and it's... Well, first, it pisses me off <laughs> that um, this is what we're taught growing up because it automatically puts the blame on the victim or on the survivor. So um, I, I have an amazing podcast that I did uh, a couple of months ago. It was a while ago with Turdis Elva, who is a friend of mine who wrote an amazing book about uh, surviving uh, rape. And we spoke about that a lot. And she dedicated her whole life to kind of really, you know, bringing this conversation forward and specifically the part about how common it is as a, as a rape survivor or abuse survivor to feel like it's your fault. And that's why people don't, you know, women don't talk about it. Uh, and we're taught that since we're little. Well, you shouldn't wear short skirts and you shouldn't be out drinking and you shouldn't walk home alone at night and et cetera, et cetera. So if something, God forbid, was to happen, uh, you know, we're conditioned to believe that it's our own fault. So all of these things that happened to me, uh, I had to really dig into them and really sit with them for a while and, and kind of make, force myself into remembering because I don't want to remember this stuff. Like this stuff is, is horrible. I don't want to remember this at all. But that also means that there's a part of me sitting with this pain, right? This, there's this dark part inside of me somewhere where I have this pain and this fear that I never share with anyone ever. And it's also a fear that, uh, that I've been conditioned to believe is just normal. And, 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 you know, I'm not special. Nothing is unique about me. It's just normal to be fearful and to have these things happen to you if you're a woman. So a lot of things have moved within me personally, just on my own working through healing these accounts of abuse that I've been through by myself. Uh, but when I started really going through them one by one, uh, for each one, there was a little voice in the back of my head that said, oh, well, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> like, uh, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, so for instance, one of the things that happened that was, um, and this was was even, oh God, it's hard to talk about because it's so gross. Um, I'm going to make sure that there's a, a little disclaimer at the beginning of this podcast. And when I share it in social media, of course, this is going to be a graphic podcast. If you haven't already caught that, if you're sensitive to that stuff, you might want to, um, tune into another episode instead of this one. But yeah, so one of the things that happened to me was, and this was just a couple of years ago, I was with my dogs on the beach. Um, Dennis was working, uh, and it's a beach I used to go to all the time. One of my favorite beaches, uh, and I was just, you know, in my bikini as I am on the beach, hanging out with the dogs, like reading a book. Uh, and I saw this guy at the corner of my eye and there was a palm tree uh, and he was kind of sitting next to it and he was looking at me, staring at me. But of course, like I'm used to that being a woman and being stared at by guys. So I didn't even 
pay a lot of attention. I was like, okay, I noticed that there's a guy there. He's looking at me. Okay. And then I remembered like I turned around a little bit. So I had my back more toward him so that he wouldn't feel like there was an invitation for him to come talk to me or something. Um, and then a couple of minutes later, like I can sense like someone coming closer. So I look up and it's this guy and he has his hands <laughs> down his pants, um, penis out in the open. And he's just masturbating, like standing I, so close to me. Like there was basically a, a disgusting penis in my face and my reaction I mean it was very very fast like it was a pretty empty beach and on the other side of the beach there were more people so I just grabbed my the towel I was sitting on and I just walked away like I didn't say anything I didn't I didn't say anything I didn't even like address it I just like you know but I was terrified and I walked for a little bit until I realized okay he didn't follow me and then I ran because I was super 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 scared um and now that I thought about this incident, like this is fucked up. Like this is, this is abuse. You know, it's like, this is so not okay. I never went back to that beach. Never. Like I never went back to that beach. Like I've never been to that beach with a baby. Never. Like we never go to that beach anymore. And it's not until now that I'm thinking about these things that, yeah, I stopped going to one of my favorite beaches because that happened to me. And I didn't even tell anybody about it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, do anything. I just kind of, I remember I told Dennis and I was kind of like, Oh, I had this icky thing happen today. Um, and that was that, like, it wasn't, you know, it's a huge thing. Like, are you insane? And I never went back there cause I was super fearful to have that happen again or worse. Like what, you know, if there's a guy that's sitting there openly approaching women, uh, waving his penis in their face, like what else is he doing? I never went back there because of fear. I don't want to live my life that way. I really, really don't. And I believe that, you know, voicing these things, at least for me, it's a practice that of surrendering. It's a practice of letting shit go, like bringing things out into the open. So I'm going to touch on, uh, on a couple of these stories. So if already what I'm sharing now is is heavy and not um, fun for you to listen to, I, you know, don't force yourself. Don't force it. Just, um, you know, sign out of this podcast and choose any other episode. There's lots of really positive, fun, happy ones. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. As a new parent, it's easy to be overwhelmed with the never-ending concerns about what's safe and healthy for your little one. That's why I'm so excited to introduce to you the Tot. They have done the research for us. Each product they offer has been carefully researched and tested to ensure it meets the highest standards for safety, quality, and style. Every item given Tot tested stamp of approval. I love the expert articles and taught tested items I find on the taught that help me with the new parenting moments I am discovering every day. Having these resources all in one place and at my fingertips is beyond helpful. The taught is the premier online destination for all things baby, whether you're a parent looking for safe, non-toxic and hard to find products for your taught, or if you're shopping for conscious parents and their little ones this holiday season. Go to thetot.com and find unique toys, high quality children's clothing and maternity wear, nursery decor and an amazing gift selection. On top of becoming the go-to site for smart parents and caregivers, the TOT now ships worldwide. Since I often split my times between Aruba and Sweden, this news is super exciting. It gets even better. Go to thetot.com today for 10% off of your first purchase. That's thetot.com for 10% off your entire order with promo code YOGAGIRL. Thetot.com, T-H-E-T-O-T.com, promo code YOGAGIRL for 10% off. Thetot.com, promo code yoga girl um but something that's been going on this week and this is really interesting so i'm choosing to record this podcast episode now because 
I am getting hundreds, and I kid you not, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of accounts of Me Too stories emailed uh, to me right now. Uh, and it started off, and it's all from the yoga world. Most of it is stories from within the yoga world. So people that have been abused or harassed or in some sometimes even raped by their yoga teachers or people that are prominent in the yoga community or the yoga industry. And this whole thing started, I mean, I've, I've invited this now, like I've shared through social media. If you have stories within the yoga world, send them my way because I want to publish them. Like if you want your voice to be heard, I have a big platform. This goes on in every industry. Like it's not just, you know, Hollywood or, or whatever, like this goes on and it happens in the yoga world and it happens a lot. And there's a part of me that feels like it's worse. <laughs> I mean, it's horrible wherever it happens, but it's worse in the yoga world because there's supposed to be trust here like this is supposed to be a place of healing where people come to heal right so the fact that these predators exist in this community and that they prey on young women uh sometimes men i did i mean from the hundreds of stories i've received i've had two come in from men so yes it does happen to men too but just not not a lot or not as much um but i had heard a really crappy me too story about a guy who is really prominent in the yoga industry not a teacher um but in the industry uh and then he's he's related to this this big brand or whatever and then i saw an ad pop up for this brand and i felt super triggered because i just know what goes on behind closed doors at this with this brand um you know this this guy is like a super wealthy non-yoga person who's just making millions of dollars off of the backs of um young women and it bugs me right and i normally don't i share this a lot i like to share the lesson of a challenging thing that i'm going through uh i like to share the epiphany or the wisdom of the challenge but i don't usually share things in the moment because it usually means there's a lot of drama there so I try to stay away from the drama. I wait for it to blow over and for the challenge to kind of integrate. And then when I have a learning, then I share. So it's always very, very, very different. And that's why I, I normally never talk about other people. Like I never say, you know, he said this or she said that or they did this. I, I, you very rarely, if ever, see any type of negativity or drama in my social media platforms. But for this thing specifically, I just, because I was already in that mindset of like, oh, I forking hate this forking company like they're just the worst and okay this is another thing but their sizing for women goes from xxs to large there's nothing above that but for men it goes to extra extra large and it's just such a it's not an equal company it's just a shitty company but whatever so i was feeling triggered by seeing this ad pop up over and over in my feed so i shared it um on instagram which was now in hindsight probably not not a great thing to do um, because it made a lot of people that were associated to this brand feel lesser than. It made a lot of teachers that promote this brand feel like I was attacking them, and I really wasn't at all. Um, for anyone listening, like if, if, if you perceived it that way, I'm super sorry. I'm 100% in support of every yoga teacher out there. Um, if you have good intentions, like I'm... You know, we should all support each other, and I have no problem with anyone promoting anything. Like, it's if you want to add to your paycheck by uh, by supporting a, a yoga company or, or wearing the leggings or whatever, like that's totally up to you. I have no problem with that at all. I do it too sometimes. The problem I had was specifically with this brand, what the brand stands for, and the owner of that company. So, um, it, anyway, it turned into a messy thing. So, if you want to have a field day, you can go through a couple of Instagram. <laughs> A couple of posts ago, there was a whole little tornado of, of crap because people felt really triggered that I was talking about this, but I also have a yoga company and I also sell things. So what's the difference? And 
yada, 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 all this came up. Um, but through this, because I shared in my Instagram story that, okay, I was triggered because I'd heard this Me Too story and then all this other stuff came up. And then people started sending me their own. And it started off with direct messaging on Instagram, but people saying like, oh my God, I also had a run in uh, with someone from that brand. Or it was uh, actually, I had something happen, but with this company, was this the company that you meant? So it started off with like yoga brands and the industry in that way. People sharing that they had felt taken advantage of first in business. And then some sexual accounts came in. Um, and then I shared in my Instagram story, like, hey, if you're out there and you have a me too story revolving the yoga world, whether it's a yoga brand, a yoga teacher, a guru of some sort, like anything at all, you know, email me. And I wasn't sure what to expect (laughs) because it was also, again, a spur of the moment thing. I just saw, okay, because um, I get so many direct messages on Instagram every day. I can't see them all. I can't, you know, and I felt like I was missing a lot. So it'd just be easier to have them in email. It's, it's insane. Like I cannot even begin to tell you how, many emails I have gotten so far and they keep coming in. It's horrible. Like it's, it's horrible. And it's everything from, it's everything from women having been, you know, adjusted or assisted improperly in class. So there's lots of accounts of people having taken a class led by a man uh, where he has touched their breasts in Shavasana or had a really inappropriate adjustment in down dog where someone is pressing like an erect penis into their uh, butt during a downward facing dog adjustment. Just a lot of stories like that of being adjusted inappropriately and feeling really taken advantage of, but thinking that, oh, this is probably normal, I guess, like it's yoga, it's intimate. So from things like that to, uh, (laughs) this is the worst, a lot of people that have been new to the practice that have maybe never practiced yoga before, found a teacher, found yoga, of course, yoga changes your life. So you're really open to anything the practice is going to bring you Uh, and feeling just, oh my God, I found this place of healing. So you become so open, so trusting, right? You're in a really vulnerable space. And then these stories usually begin with feeling singled out in classes, like the teacher starts to bring them up to do demonstrations for poses, or they get a lot of attention in class. And of course, this teacher is on a huge pedestal and in a huge power position um, to do anything they want. And then from there being uh, lured into sex or feeling pressured into sex, or there's even stories from people that uh, have had teachers say that they're not spiritual enough and that the only way for them to open up spiritually and receive the teaching is by sex with this teacher. Um, So much of this is coming in and it's unbelievable. And almost every story begins with, I don't know if this one counts. And that just fucking breaks my heart. Like that, I just cry just saying that, like, Most of these stories begin with people saying, I don't know if this counts, like this wasn't, I don't know if it was bad. And then some of them say, I don't know, did I invite this? Was it my fault? Like, this is, um, oh God, like my whole body is almost shaking now because this is so hard to talk about. You know, like sex, like consenting sex between two consenting adults, like is, is totally fine, beautiful, great. Like, there's a whole other debate of, you know, if people having sex with their students or beginning relationships with their students. Like if you're two consenting adults and you're into each other, like, you know, go ahead. Like this is not, these are two very different things. But if you're feeling pressured into doing something, if you say no and that uh, person is not taking that in, into consideration, if you're not consenting to what's happening, yeah, then it's abuse. Like if you're not willingly like looking or longing for that to happen. If it's not a yes, it's a fucking no, right? 
And if it's a no, it's abuse or it's rape or it's harassment or it's something that just should not have happened to you in the first place. And it's not your fucking fault. Like it's not your fault. And it counts. If it feels icky, it counts. And that's why I wanted to share my stories now because I had that. I was telling myself that for such a long time. So many of those like, well, it doesn't count. Like that wasn't a big deal. It was just a small thing. Yeah, but it felt really icky. It didn't feel good. It didn't sit right. It didn't, you know, it made me change something about my own behavior. Uh, and and, and if, if I didn't want it, you know, I didn't invite that. Like that guy who jerked off in my face on the beach, like I stopped going to that beach. I felt fearful, but I never spoke about it. Like I didn't tell anyone about it at all. I didn't even, you know, confront that person or, or, say, or say anything. It's just, it's something that happened to me. It was out of my control. It wasn't my fault, but I felt ashamed that this had happened to me. So I didn't say anything. You know, like I could have somehow prevented it or like I shouldn't have been on that beach alone or, you know, I was in my bikini. So like, of course I'm in a bikini. I'm on the beach. What am I supposed to wear? Like, I don't know. I could just see how my mind starts making up reasons for why I could have prevented that from happening to me. And if I just, you know, I don't go to that beach anymore, then I'll be safe. But that's not true. Like this can happen anywhere at any time. So I've written a couple of a couple of these stories down that I that I thought I would share and also for me to process and for and they're different in range of, of heaviness. And, 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 you know, some of them were like, oh, but this wasn't a big deal. But I can kind of see how all of it is a big deal. Um, and I hope by me sharing mine, you know, if you are sitting on any type of shame or blame or feeling like um, anything that's happened to you was your fault or like it wasn't a big deal, if it feels off, like I would love to invite you to, to go to that place and maybe speak about it or share it or at least journal on it, like get it out of your system so you're not sitting with that blame for something that wasn't your fault at all and for something that shouldn't have happened to any of us ever. So I, I was trying to really journey back in my, in my own life. When was the first time that I felt um, like sexualized by a person? You know, when was the first time that I... Um, that I had just a derogatory comment thrown my way like when was that kind of um, when did I go from being a child to I guess being perceived as a woman or as a as an object Uh, and unfortunately that moment like I can really pinpoint it I was nine years old Uh, maybe even eight like I hadn't even turned nine nine and I was on vacation in Thailand um, with my dad and my little brother and uh, I remember we'd been to the market in the day and I had found this dress that I loved. I mean, I was, a, I was a child. It was a Calvin Klein, but like a fake one dress. It was just like a strappy little like white and black cotton, you know, dress that went down to my, to my calves. Like it was a, just, a, just a dress that I really liked. Uh, and I asked my dad if I could have it. And then, and then I, I got that dress. And then in the evening, we were going to go out for dinner. And I went to the hotel gift shop and I wanted to buy lip balm. Like in Sweden, we say Lipsyl, which is like the one lip, lip balm brand that we all use when we were little. Um, and they had another type of brand, but it was cherry flavored. And I was so excited. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get a cherry lip balm. Like, that's so cool. Uh, and then it turns out that this cherry lip balm was like, had a little bit of red tint in it. And I'd never had, like, I'd never played with my mom's makeup. Like I had never had, I was not like into makeup and, and stuff like that when I was a child. Um, but anyway, but I was really excited to have this cherry lip balm that I liked. And I had this new dress that I loved and we were going to go out for dinner with just a family. And then when we came out, there was a friend of my dad's um, who was there, who was going to meet us for, for some reason. And I, like to this day, I mean, I was eight or nine years old. I was a child. I can remember him looking at me. Like I remember how he looked, like how he looked at me and how it made me feel really uncomfortable. Like how it made me feel like I wanted to go stand behind my dad and hide. But he looked me up and down and then he turned to my dad and he said, whoa, you're going to have to watch out for this one. 
damn. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a very sexual comment in terms of like, you know, he's going to have to watch out for me because I'm going to be very attractive when I grow up. Or, you know, it was really like looking me up and down of like, wow, <laughs> you know, and I was a child. I had not gone through puberty, like absolutely a child. And I remember that feeling of being looked at in that way and how awful it was. Awful, awful, awful. But then, of course, I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know how to address it. Like, you know, I, I was a kid, so it, it wasn't something that lingered with me. But to this day, I can really remember it. Um, and the second time something like that happened to me, and it was really clear. I think by then I was 11 or maybe 12. Um, and I was walking down the street in Spain where my dad lived at the time. And just walking down the street, just going, I don't know where I was going, going somewhere. Uh, and there was cars driving by and they would kind of honk like when they saw me in the street and I didn't know understand why they were honking at me like if I was did I do something wrong so I was trying to cross the street to go to the other side because I thought I was walking on the wrong side like there wasn't a proper sidewalk there so maybe they were honking because they were almost going to hit me with a car so I got nervous like all these cars are honking at me what's going on um and then I tried to cross the street and then this car stopped and this guy leans out the window and he puts up his fingers in a v and he sticks his tongue out and he's like, you know, this horrible, horrible tongue, disgusting, gross, fucking obnoxious thing that some men do where they pretend like they're licking a vagina. And he does that through the window at me, you know, giving me that look, that same look that I had seen with, with my dad's friend from so many, from those years ago. And I was just mortified. Like, I didn't know what that mean. That sign with a, with a, with a, like peace, peace sign fingers with a tongue. It was just, I just knew like, this is horrible. Like whatever this is, like, this is not okay. And I felt like I had to run. Right. So I ran back to where I came from and I just, you know, I was terrified, really terrified, but I didn't tell anyone. There was a feeling inside of me like, Ooh, I wonder why he did that to me. And was that involved with like why all the cars were honking? Like, what did I do? What, what was it that I do? Did I wear something wrong? Like, what did I do? I remember thinking that. So I didn't say anything to my mom or, or to anyone. Um, and then that same year was the first time, also in Spain. Um, and I mean, this is a little more prominent, like walking down the street in Sweden. I, I, I wouldn't have cars honking at me or people doing that. I think there's certain cultures where this is more common, uh, I guess. Uh, and this was also in Spain. And then uh, this, again, walking down the street, someone was honking at me. And then this man stopped the car and he leaned out the window and he yelled. He said, oh, looking good, baby. Just don't put any more meat on those bones. <laughs> and then like drove on. And I was, you know, maybe 12 years old. Like I was a child. Like I was so little, so young. I'd never had sex. Like I didn't have any boobs. Like I was pre-puberty, like a child. And I remember this, like, he said, oh my God, that was a compliment, like looking good. Okay. I was good looking. Like I, 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 I could kind of objectively see like, okay, that was a compliment. But then he said, don't put any meat, more meat on those bones. What does that mean? Like, and I went home and I looked in the mirror and I was really thinking like, what's too much meat on my bones? Does that mean like, like, am I fat or could I get fat? And if I would get fat, then I wouldn't look good anymore. And I, so clearly remember like staring at myself in the mirror kind of turning around trying to figure out if I was fat or not uh, and whether or not that would mean that I wouldn't be good looking in the eyes of a man anymore and it just breaks my heart that these things happened to me so young like so young so already then like at nine and then at 11 and then at 12 I started having this you know I was being objectified by a man that I didn't know um, at all 
And then, and I already had this kind of looking at, okay, what could I do different? You know, what was it that I did to deserve those things? So already then, before anything really horrible had happened to me, like I had that idea of, okay, well, if people look at you that way or they talk to you that way, it's because of something you did or because of something that you wear. Um, and then after that, I mean, at some point I reached puberty and I had sex for the first time and, and this just became kind of a, a normal thing. Like, and I, I remember almost rebelling against it. We, we used to spend a lot of time in Spain because my, my dad lived there for a long time in the south of Spain. And I remember almost like, you know, I would flip people off if they honked a car when I walked down the street. Um, I would wear like shorter shorts if I could just to kind of to, to not go along with like, well, I can wear whatever the fuck I want. Like I became really angry with this kind of stuff. And also almost like, okay, if someone is catcalling me, I have to stand up a little taller. I didn't want to hide. I didn't want to go stand, you know, and hide behind my dad like I'd done when I was little. I became angry and I wanted to take up even more space, you know. Um, so in a way, which was, you know, I started attracting more attention to myself. Like I started wearing like tops that showed my belly button and I started wearing makeup and I started doing all these things because I thought I was under the belief that I have to look good for a man to deem me, um, worthy. Like that's, that's what I thought I had to do. I had to be good looking and I had had to be good looking in the eyes of a man. So I started attracting a lot of this attention, uh, which just affirmed my belief that I was the one, you know, I thought I was in control, but I was not at all, at all. I just, you know, it was like I had control whether or not people were talking to me in that way. I had no control at all, but I tried to try to find it for a moment. Um, and then, of course, I started, I had a lot of fights with my dad about this. Um, he didn't want me to go outside. If I had a, a shirt that showed anything of my belly, I wasn't allowed to wear hoop earrings. I wasn't allowed to wear short skirts. We fought about this a lot and he would always say, well, this is not safe. And what if you walk home? You can't wear that. You don't know people out there. And of course, I understand like wanting to keep your kids safe. Like everyone says this to their daughters out of wanting, out of love, out of wanting them to not be raped, out of not wanting them to be attacked or abused. Um, But still, it's that core idea that then returns to like, I am the one to blame. You know, why aren't we having these conversations like with the men or with the boys. Like, why is that just something we have to accept and move along with? But I should wear a longer skirt so that people don't rape me when I'm on my way home. You know, and this just, oh, this was like a big thing. And I really remember this was the number one thing that I fought with with my dad. And I can see it was from a place out of love, of course. Um, and then those moments or those times that I had in my life where I was actually drugged with the intention of rape all happened um, around the same time, like 14, 15 uh, around that time, because I was out a lot. I was drinking a lot of alcohol. I was, it was totally my like rebelling years, smoking cigarettes, doing a lot of stupid stuff. Um, and, you know, feel so blessed to say that nothing like that ever happened, but I was uh, found by a friend and kind of saved or rescued every single time. The horrible thing is that this was just normal. So after having that, you know, after that happened a couple of times and it happened to my friends, we became really already at 15. Like we knew when we go out and we go to a bar. Okay, I'm, I'm very young. Like I was very young and early with this stuff. I really pray to every God out there that this won't be the case for my daughter. But uh, I, I did do a lot of really stupid stuff when I was really, 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 really young. Um, so I think maybe this is younger than most, but already when I was 15, uh, like me and my friends, we were seasoned. We knew when we go out, wherever we are, whatever country we're in, uh, you have to order from a bottle always. And you have to see the bartender opening the bottle so that, that, by that way you knew that there's not like a drink that they've slipped something in because you couldn't trust bartenders anywhere to just make your proper drink without there being drugs in there for someone to rape you. Um, so you had to order always from a bottle, which meant when I was, um, (laughs) 
in my teens, I basically only drank Smirnoff Ice or Bacardi Breeze. Just saying these words kind of make me want to throw up a little bit in my mouth. <laughs> but yeah, really disgusting, like alcoholic soda type beverages that I used to drink. You had to order from a bottle and you had to hold the bottle the whole time and keep your thumb covering the opening of the bottle so that no one could ever slip something into your into your bottle. And if you ever left your bottle and turned around, it was bad. Like you couldn't drink from it again because at any moment, at any point, you know, someone could just put like something in your drink and you would get raped. And this was real, right? Like this actually happened. There were so many women, young girls like getting drugged and abused and raped you know, around this time in this area where, where we where we lived in Spain, it was so common that this was just, it's insane. It's insane that this was just the life that we led. So when I was partying in my teens, like I was just, you know, I, I was in my backbone that I would never leave a drink and turn around because yeah, then something would happen to me because it happened so many times before. But I'm really, yeah, really happy um, in that horrible place that nothing like that actually did happen to me. But it did happen to a lot of my friends. And in neither of those times that anyone ever filed charges. Uh, and I don't remember anything other than, you know, oh, well, she shouldn't have been walking home alone. Like that was always the response. Well, that wouldn't have happened if she wasn't drunk. She shouldn't have been drinking. She shouldn't have been out. She shouldn't have been drinking. She shouldn't have been walking home on her own. So basically, you know, you should just lock, lock your daughters up in some, some closet somewhere at home so they can sit there and knit and do things that good girls do because then you won't get raped. Like it just does not make any sense. <laughs> Okay, I'm getting really fired up. I think I need to take a, a breath before I move on. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. So many of you joined me for the Yoga Every Damn Day Challenge a few months ago. Bringing back yoga into our everyday lives was such a positive and beautiful thing. So let's keep the momentum going. End the year strong with Sun Basket, a weekly meal delivery service that sends you organic and clean ingredients, plus easy recipes for delicious, healthy dinners. Sun Basket makes it easier and more convenient to commit to your health and wellness every day. Pick from 12 weekly recipes and receive organic and sustainable ingredients directly to your door. All of the ingredients are pre-measured and the step-by-step -step instructions are super easy to follow. Now you can cook delicious seasonal meals right in your own kitchen in 30 minutes or less. Whatever your nutritional needs are, Sunbasket has you covered. You can mix and match from paleo, lean and clean, gluten-free, vegetarian, and family option. Each order is created by award-winning chefs and approved by nutritionists. These holiday seasons skip the grocery store madness. See how easy it is to keep your wellness on track and get healthy, clean meals on your table with Sunbasket. For those of you in the U.S., go to sunbasket.com slash yoga today to get $35 off of your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash yoga for $35 off. sunbasket.com slash yoga. Um, so, of course, I can see or I would think that going from this type of lifestyle, which is the lifestyle that I had up until I was around 18, where I was drinking a lot and partying a lot and I was you know, clubbing and doing all these things that, you know, there, of course, there's more accounts of rape and abuse in, in a setting like that, like in a more, you know, negative and uh, kind of setting. And then I found yoga and meditation. So you would think that, if, yeah, all of those things would just disappear. And that doesn't happen in that type of community. But I'm really sad to say that um, it doesn't really change, right? So what changed was, I changed, I stopped wearing provocative clothing, you know, not want to say that. I mean, I stopped wearing provocative clothing to provoke, I guess. That's a better way of putting it. Um, so I started just dressing for the way I wanted to dress, not because of something that I wanted to do to piss someone off or to attract attention to myself or whatever. Um, and the fact that I just said that sentence kind of bugs me. 
Uh, I fully forking believe like we should be able to walk the streets naked. Uh, you know, if I want to be naked walking down the street, if I want to go clubbing wearing a thong, like my body is still my body. And unless I have given you consent to touch me, like that's not okay. So, you know, this belief that, yeah, I should, you know, we shouldn't wear provocative clothing. Like it's deeply instilled in me that it just kind of slips out, but shouldn't be the case. But transitioning into the yoga and meditation world, you know, I did find peace of mind. I changed my lifestyle. I stopped drinking like that. I stopped partying. Um, but these things, they just, they didn't stop happening to me. And that's what's interesting because I, I've kind of divided these parts of my life into two very clear sections. So like, of course, if you're out partying and you're clubbing and you're doing stupid things, yeah, then, you know, rape and, and abuse and stuff, of course it happens over there. But in the yoga world, when we meditate, you know, that, that stuff that doesn't exist. But now that I'm looking at my life, most of my things have happened after that. Like most of the things that were really bad that actually left me feeling completely violated didn't happen at the club. Um, it happened in the yoga setting. Like it happened, it happened in a setting where I felt trusting, where I was felt safe, where I, where I felt like this is a place for healing. So I'm okay here. And I guess because there's trust there in the first place, the violation is so much greater, right? I mean, if some douchebag that you've never met, you slip something in your drink when you're out dancing, like it's really hard to get personally attached to that, I guess. Um, but if you have a teacher that you trust, that you've kind of left your life in their hands to, to help you and to help you find tools for healing and to teach you about yoga, there's a lot of trust there. And then having that viol be violated, I think is a, it cuts a lot deeper, at least it does for me. So uh, one of the first things that, and this is when it starts getting tricky because I, I don't want to name any names. I'm not going to name any names. Um, why am I not naming any names? So the, the blogs or the Me Too yoga stories that I'm going to be publishing with consent from all the women that have sent in their own stories, I won't be able to share any names because it opens me up to too much, too big of a liability. Like there's too much risk for me. Um, and of course, like, you know, some people said, how can you even believe these emails coming in? How can you trust these stories? First of all, like I believe them. I believe every single one we've, we've been conditioned to not believe <laughs> living in this patriarchal society, I believe, but most even more, you know, bigger than that is there's so many stories coming in about the same man, so many independent women from different places writing different stories, but they're kind of have a similar tone. Uh, about how this man has acted. So if I get, you know, two emails, just two stories from different women about the same man, yeah, chances are that that guy is a motherfucking asshole <laughs> and that those stories are both true. And some of these accounts have come in a bunch. Um, but if, until someone is convicted, I can't share their name without opening myself up to the risk of being sued um, or worse, you know, maybe I'll, I'll get harassed by these people. So I won't be sharing any names. So um, one of the first things within the yoga world that happened to me that were was just not at all okay was I was living in Costa Rica at the time. I had just kind of found yoga in a big way. I was having one of my first big yoga moments. And you all know what it's like to have that first big super yoga epiphany. Like you feel so excited. It's like a new door has opened to a new life. You know, I was just so excited about everything yoga. And I had met this Kundalini teacher that I'd been practicing um, with a lot that I was really, really excited about. And uh, Kundalini for me was a really nice in-between because I was meditating a lot before I found asana. So Kundalini for me was a really nice merge of the two because I still felt fairly 
uh, unsure. Like I didn't know if I was doing a chaturanga right. Like I'd never really gone into vinyasa so much. So I was really into Kundalini. And then after practicing for a while, there was this teacher who I trusted. Okay, I didn't know, you know, it wasn't my super friend or anything, but like he was a teacher teaching and I trusted him because of that. Like just, just being in the yoga community, being a yoga teacher, like I trusted him. And he told me, you know, I see that you're new in this practice and that you're just kind of beginning to open up to it. And I think you have something very, very special. I think you're going to be a teacher one day. There's something so special about you. But, you know, you're very closed. I can see you're very controlling. You're very, I can see it in your body. You could really benefit from having a massage, from having some deeper kundalini uh, energy work uh, on your body. Uh, it would help you greatly to open up to spirit. And I said, oh my God, of course. Okay, I'm closed. Okay, 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 I understand. I'm controlling. Okay, I understand. Okay, of course, yes, I would I would love that. So how, how does that work? He said, oh, it's okay. I'll just give it myself and it's okay. You know, I'm very spiritual, so I won't even charge you for that. And of course, this should have been my one like first major red flag, <laughs> like someone offering body work or a massage of any type, not charging. <laughs> yeah, that's really bad. But it didn't even occur to me to think that it wasn't just 100% amazing because I trusted so much right so um i go in to get this massage and i didn't have to take all my clothes off i remember it was just i took i had to take my shirt off and i and i could keep my underwear um and in the beginning it felt kind of normal and i was just very grateful and felt really excited that i was going to get this energy body work from this big kundalini teacher and then as it progressed, he started getting more and more intimate in the fact that he was kind of touching my breasts, but he wasn't touching my nipples. So I was confused, like, okay, wait, maybe he needs to massage the area right around my breasts because there's, you know, I, I didn't know. I just had that in, in, that feeling of like, okay, this doesn't feel great. But the feeling is I was trying to explain to Dennis because we were talking about this so much now and it's been, I've been sharing all these stories with him and he's just mind blown like mind blown and I was trying to explain he's like well why wouldn't you say something like why wouldn't you just leave just sit up and like go like it's and now that I think of it yeah why didn't I just like run away and I, and I tried to explain and I said you know when you're, you're getting a haircut <laughs> and the hairdresser like isn't doing a good job but it's too awkward like you know you don't want to hurt their feelings and it's kind of awkward so you just sit there and smile and you say yeah it's great and then you go home and cry <laughs> I'm like, the feeling is very similar. So yeah, the feeling is very similar to kind of getting a shitty haircut in that, you know, this was someone who I thought was a professional who was providing me with a service and the service was free, right? So one, like I didn't want to be ungrateful. And two, I felt like, well, he's the one who knows, right? So if I feel uncomfortable, it must be that there's something wrong with me because he's the one who knows all of this. And I was afraid to you know like what if it wasn't at all sexual like he was just getting really close to my breast what if it wasn't sexual he's just massaging something that needs to be massaged there you know I kept telling myself these things but I was feeling really tense like really couldn't relax it was really not fun and then he started getting like right in between my breasts uh still not touching the nipples so I was telling myself like okay wait if he gets like to my nipple area, then I'm going to say something. And then I was like, okay, well, if he gets there, I'm going to say something. If he goes closer to my crotch, I'm going to say something. But I didn't, right? So at the end of this massage, like, it was the worst thing ever. And it was like, you know, he was chanting and doing a lot of other things that also made it look more like it was a spiritual experience, which it wasn't at all. Trust me, if it's a spiritual experience, you feel good. If it's a spiritual experience, like you're going to click with that. 
this just was not, you know, and that's the shitty part of like having something sexual or abuse masquerading as something spiritual or something higher than whatever. Um, so at the end of this massage, he got really close to my crotch area, put his hands on my vagina um, and like started moving his hands and kind of like I still had my underwear on and like and that lasted for a very short time. And I just like squeezed my legs together and just, you know, but I, I didn't I didn't stand up. I didn't walk out. I squeezed my legs together and I was still there with my eyes closed. And then he stopped um and kind of stepped aside and he was like okay um you are very very tense you know very tense wow I can really see how you're gonna have a hard time spiritually and really opening up to the depths of this practice but now uh, I have taught you and and kind of what did he say I have given you this clear energy now so uh you should be able to find much uh, greater depths into in your practice now or something some some bullshit like that and I was just mortified. Like I was mortified. I felt so violated, so sad, but I was still, you know, he, I didn't say anything. I, I didn't say anything. I still felt like, okay, well, I guess I'm just the one who doesn't know what it means to be spiritual. I guess if I was more spiritual, this would have felt like a spiritual thing, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it was abuse. It just, it wasn't a spiritual thing at all. And now I wish I could just turn back time and go back to that place and stood up and smacked him in the fucking face and told the studio owner what was going on. I didn't, I didn't say anything, you know, and I just for a really long time felt like that was my fault. And then I kind of pushed it away and I, and I didn't think about it again. Like I didn't think about this as at all something that had happened to me. Like, no, that was just kind of a, a weird massage I had once. No, like that was not okay. That was abuse. There was no consent there. Like that was horrible. Oh, and if I, in case I didn't say like this guy was maybe in his 60s. Like it was, it was just, no, no, no. Um, the second thing that happened. Um, so this was a couple of years ago and I just started teaching yoga and I was so into, uh, into the practice and into wanting to become a teacher. And I'm going to try to keep as many of these details anonymous because I, yeah, I I don't want to get into a drama with this person at all. I don't want to start a, he said, she said thing. I just want to tell my story without it kind of becoming a thing. Um, and I wanted to teach somewhere new. It was in a new place that I wanted to teach. And the owner of this space was really excited and had approached me and taken my class and said, oh, your class is so amazing. And wow. And he's also like, this is an older man. Um, and said, I would love for you to start teaching here full time. Uh, can, can I take you out to dinner and discuss and give you a proposal and discuss what this would mean and how, how this employment would work. And I didn't think twice about anything being worried about that. I was just like, oh my God, how great. And I told Dennis, I was like, oh my God, I, mean, I have this like work interview, but it's like a work interview dinner. Uh, do you want to come? And I just like asked if Dennis wanted to come. And he's like, no, no, I think you should do that on your own. Like, he's like, I don't want to interfere. Like, if you get the job, then I, then I can and go there. But just, just see if you get it. So I didn't even think twice that this wasn't just like an, a, a proper, uh, like a business thing, like just a business dinner. Like I wanted to get a job. And then we go out to dinner, everything is totally professional and totally normal. And we talk about this and really narrow down like how many classes a week I'd be teaching and what the pay would be and um, how like just details about stuff. And he was very like nice and normal. And we had a very normal time, like nothing was weird at all. Uh, and at the end of it, you know, like I had gotten the job. I was so excited. And then I went to give him a hug as we were, I was going to my car. He was going to his car and said goodbye. And I thanked for dinner and okay, and I'll start Monday or whatever. And then I gave him a hug and like a little tap on the back. And then he grabbed my face with both of his hands, turned my head toward his and kissed me on the lips. And it wasn't a French kiss. It was just kind of a open mouth, gross 
like icky like kiss like a mouth kiss and then and then he turned around and got in his car and left and I stood there I stood there like frozen because <laughs> frozen because like, it was it was just a complete shock like there had been no sort of energy that could have been misinterpreted there at all like this person was three times my age and and this was just like a work thing like I was so in shock and then I got back to my car and I just sat there like my heart was pounding pounding and I started thinking like oh my god what what did I do to invite this and then and I started thinking oh my god I must have I must have let him on somehow did I did I mistakenly make him think that I was interested in something else what did I do and I start questioning everything I had said during the dinner I had made a joke where we both laughed like oh my gosh I shouldn't have done that I looked at what I was wearing. I was wearing like a normal blouse and jeans, but I had high heels on. Oh my God, wait, was it, did, it, did it look like I dressed up for this? And I started second guessing myself over and over and over and over again. And then it hit me, wait, what if he only wants to hire me because he thinks that there's going to be something here? Like, what if he only wants to hire me because of my looks or something? And my heart just dropped. Like, it just killed me. And I was so excited feeling like I was so, you know, becoming a really good teacher. And and then I started thinking, oh my God, I'm just getting this job because, not because of my skills, it's because of what I look like. And I just, oh, and I cried. I cried in the car the whole way home. I cried. I was supposed to be so happy and so excited about having this new job. And I just cried. When I got home, I felt so embarrassed to share. Like, I feel so embarrassed that this had happened to me. I didn't tell Dennis. Like, I didn't tell. I didn't say anything at all. I didn't tell him until just now, a couple of weeks ago. And he was like, ew, like shrugged his shoulders. Like, that wasn't. Like, why didn't you tell me then? And I was like, I don't know. I felt ashamed. Like, I felt like I had done something wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. Like, he grabbed my face and kissed my lips. And I felt ashamed. Like, where's the shame in that for me? Like, he should feel ashamed. Oh, my God. Anyway, fast forward. So Monday came and then I had this big new job that I was so excited about. But I was debating like, okay, is it even real? Like what is happening? What if this person thinks he thinks that there's going to be something here? Like, no, 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 I have to, I have to go in and just kind of shut this down right away. And then I got there and everything was fine. Everything was normal. Like There was nothing weird, nothing uh, at all. And then that person didn't even like live in the same area. So I didn't see him again for months. So I wasn't going to be working directly for him, but directly for someone else. He was like, the, you know, the boss's boss or whatever. So I just told myself, okay, like I'm not going to be spending a lot of time with this person anyway, so it's okay. Uh, this was, you know, he's like an older man. Maybe, maybe he was just kind of kissing me on the lips the way you kiss. Like maybe he kisses everyone like that. Like maybe he's one of those weird people that just, you know, that they kiss like their grandkids and their kids and their everyone they kiss on the lips. You know, I was trying to make excuses. Like it wasn't, you know, weird. It was just okay. It was normal because I really wanted the job. And then things went really well there. I did super well for myself. And I actually ended up teaching there for a lot of years, um, which was super great. And then there were a couple of other moments where I had a weird feeling. Not, nothing bad happened. Like I never had something like that happen again where he touched me or tried to kiss me. That was the only time. And it was the first time I met him. So I just kind of shrugged it off. There was a couple of other times where he kind of made a remark about my me being good looking or it was something that felt a little inappropriate. But no touching. So I just like, oh, every man is like this. So I just shrugged it off. Um, and then a couple of years later, this is, uh, yeah, I should have taken all of these things as signs to not engage with this person at all, clearly, but I, I didn't. I thought this was like, a, I thought he was harmless, which may, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, fast forward 
And there was a work trip. So going to another country to research uh, yoga programs, yoga retreats, and how to grow this yoga business. So we were going to go to Costa Rica and it was supposed to be three of us, so two people from other people from the company and then him. And then in the end, things shifted and it became just me and him going to meet a third person over in that other country. So it was still more people, but it was like me and him traveling there together, which I felt really uneasy about. But I was also very excited that someone was, you know, I had the company pay for me to fly somewhere and I wanted to learn and I got to go somewhere else. And, you know, I think I let the excitement just kind of silence this worried voice that I had. And we were going to stay in some big house there because they had a, a mutual friend or something that lived there. And then we could stay. Uh, it was supposed to be a beautiful big house and, and, and whatever. And we were going to do all this research for retreats and, and visit other centers and see if we could make connections there. So I get there. Everything is normal. Like nothing is weird. And we get there pretty, I think, late in the afternoon or it's pretty close to night. And then this person who owned the house, who was a friend of his, uh, kind of looks at me and then looks at him and then... He's like, um, okay. He seems just seems like a little awkward, and, and I was just trying to be very professional, and you know, uh, so where do I put my bag and where do I put my things? Um, and then the old, the older man goes, uh, yeah, you and I are going to sleep in here. And he just uh, opened the door, and there was a <laughs> a bedroom there with one bed. You and I are going to sleep in here. So you just put your stuff in there. And I said, excuse me? Yeah, we're going to sleep in there, so you can just leave your, you leave your things there. And then he walked on and like, oh, is there like any wine in here? And just continued. And I looked at this other guy who owned the house. I was like, what did he say that we were going to... I'm like, where's my, where, where am I going to sleep? Where's, where's my room? And he said, oh, um, I was under the impression that you two would be sharing a bed. And I said, well, that's... Def-. I'm like, why, why would you get that impression? He said, well, he told me. He said, there's only two bedrooms in this house. Uh, so I said that maybe this is not appropriate for this type of trip. And he said that it's okay because you two will be sharing about anyway. And the panic in my eyes, like I was in a foreign country in a place I didn't know anyone with this boss of mine uh, and another random person that I didn't know. And I was just, you know, the panic. I didn't have any money. And he looked at me, he said, oh my God, this is, this is, I'm so sorry. I'm going to take care of this. And then he disappeared and he started having a conversation with this, 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 this old boss of mine. And I could hear them kind of yelling and shouting at each other. And it was a whole thing. And then he got super pissed and he took his suitcase out of the room, didn't look at me and just like went into the second bedroom and closed the door. So he was trying to get me to sleep in the same bed as him. And when I said no, like that's never going to happen, got super, super pissed. Spend the whole day afterwards not talking to me. I had meetings set up with hotels and places there. Didn't come along for anything. Was really visibly upset. Um, and I was just so awkward. I didn't know what to do if I should leave or what I should do. I just, it was, it was the, the worst, the worst thing. Um, the second night, I think we had two or three nights there total. The second night, uh, so what happened was that I got this master bedroom by myself. And then these two other people, guys, men, were sharing this second smaller room where there was two beds. Because I wasn't going to share with any of them. Like, please. Uh, the second night I go to bed, we say goodnight. Uh, like I go to change, I'm in my underwear, brushing my teeth. Uh, and when I come out of the bathroom, he's lying in my bed. I come out of the bathroom, which was in the room I was sleeping. He's lying in my bed, this older man, like in his sixties or older, I don't know, wearing tidy whities like underwear, lying in my bed. And kind of patting the bed, he says, "Ah, now that we're not fighting anymore, why don't you, why don't you come here and lie with me? <laughs> and the fact that I didn't, you know, and he, and he had locked the door, the door was closed. 
And the fact that I didn't, I didn't like yell or scream or make a thing. The only thing that was going through my mind was, how am I going to get out of this situation without making him feel embarrassed? <laughs> That's what I was thinking about. How am I going to get out of this without making him feel embarrassed that he's doing this right now? Like I was concerned that I was going to, that I was going to, I was concerned that I was going to offend him. Like he was not just my boss, but my boss's boss visibly taking advantage, like visibly doing something really, really inappropriate. Um, you know, trying to, oh God, I feel nauseous just sharing this because of how violated I felt. And I kind of walk around and I stay really close to the door and I said, I think you should leave now. And he says, no, come, come lie here, come lie here now. And then I go toward the door, like I have to get out. Uh, and I said, and I try to laugh. It's like, haha, you're so funny. You know, I think you're a little drunk. Did you have, did you, did you have more wine? Uh, and, you know, I try to make a joke that he was drunk and like, you know, this is not who you are. You should just, this is not appropriate. You should leave. And he grabs my hand and pulls me toward the bed and tries to get me to lie down to kiss me. And then I had to push him off, like fully push him off. And I opened the door and I just ran out. And then I knocked on the door on this other person, the guy who owned the house said, I think you need, you need to help me now. And then he took him from that room. And again, they were fighting <laughs> for some reason. Uh, he got super upset and then went into the other bedroom. And I stayed at night, like I packed all my things, um, called Dennis, said like I'm having a major panic, like, you know, you need to help me. I need I need to be flown out of here. I need I need some sort of help, some sort of support. I'm all alone. And I stayed like <laughs> on the bed, just staring at the door awake the whole fucking night. And when the next day came, uh, he wasn't there and I had breakfast and I went to the airport and I left and we didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about it anymore. And I didn't tell any, I didn't tell my other boss. I didn't tell anyone I worked with. Uh, you know, I, I didn't say anything because I felt like he would be embarrassed. Like I was going to offend him if I told someone that he was, uh, <laughs> that he was trying to force me, uh, into having sex with him, uh, on, on, in what I thought was like a, a work trip. I don't know. And just sharing the story now, I'm, I'm still like, oh, like, I felt so, you know, of course I stopped working for that company really shortly after that, but I told myself it was because of other reasons and whatever. And my, my other things that I was doing had grown, but yeah, no, this was at the core of everything. And I was still thinking like, how did I invite for this to happen? And how was it my fault that, that he thought that this was, that this was appropriate and that he could, that he could kind of, that he could do this. And it was just such a massive violation in a place that I should be able to trust, um, to trust as a safe space. It's forked fucking forked up um the last thing that i'm gonna share uh is my least yeah the shitty i don't know they're all shitty for different reasons like this one was particularly shitty because it involved a work relationship that just kind of messed me up for for a long time um this last one was and the reason this one is for me at least really shitty to share is because i i never said anything and i don't know if this person continued doing this to other people in the community. Uh, it was during a retreat that I was leading and there was uh, a spa there and I went to have a massage and I, we had taken up the whole hotel and everyone was really excited that we were there. And I go check into my massage and there was a woman there behind the desk and she says, oh, you're the yoga girl. And I said, yes, yes, I'm here for, for my massage. Ah, uh, you're, you have a change of therapist. Sorry, someone has requested you. And I said, oh, and then I just, and then she smiled and then she, she just sit down and wait and then they'll be right there. And I thought like someone has requested, like, that's a weird thing to say. What does that mean? Someone has requested. And I just started feeling uneasy. Like, wait, is there someone who follows me on Instagram or something? Like, that's weird. I don't want someone massaging me. Like, ugh. it felt weird, but I didn't say anything <laughs> like the story of my life. I didn't say anything. Um, and then this man 
comes and gets me. He says, Rachel looks around like he doesn't know who I am, which clearly he already did. Oh, please come with me. And takes me to the to the treatment room and he says, Okay, well your towels are on the are on the chair or on the table. Uh, so just cover yourself with the with a towel and uh, and I'll be right back. And you know how in a proper massage they will leave the room, close the door, give you X amount of minutes, you know, enough time to take your robe off, lie down, cover yourself with a towel, and then they knock normally, and then you say, Yes, it's okay, and then they come in and they begin the massage. Well, I was naked on my rope, I hung the robe, I go to the table. And I see there's no towel there. There's two tiny little like washcloth-like towels. There's no big, t- there's nothing for me to cover myself with like at all. So I, I, I'm like about to go and lie on my belly and I'm guessing, okay, I guess I'm going to put both of these towels over my butt so that my butt is covered, I guess. And as I'm like about to step onto the table, I mean, climb onto the table, I'm full naked. Uh, the guy just barges in and opens the door. And then he looks at me and I'm naked, like naked, naked. He says, oh, don't be so silly. You have to lie on your back. Turn around. And, and I'm naked. <laughs> and he's just looking at me. But he wasn't, you know, he made it such a breezy thing. Just turn around. That I thought, oh my God, okay, yeah, okay. So I lay on my back. He takes the two towels, lifts them up so that I'm just full frontal naked on the table and then puts one over my breast area and one over my crotch area. And then he has this kind of massage voice. He says, how's the temperature of the room? Is it good? And I was like nodding like, uh, yeah, you know, so uncomfortable. Okay, um, here we go. We're going to commence the massage. And he said something about the oil he was going to use or whatever. And I just knew from the moment that he barged in like that, like this was not an okay place. Like I just knew, like I should have immediately just said I was uncomfortable. I could have blamed it on anything else, but I didn't. Again, I just laid there kind of knowing that this is a person I cannot trust. This is a person who knew who I was, who had requested to massage me, who just barged in on me naked, lifted the towel, saw me naked, you know, in clearly unprofessional manner. Like I knew it was going to be bad, <laughs> but I stayed. I felt so self-conscious, so insecure. And I was thinking like, oh my God, I'm the only one not comfortable with this nudity if I was more spiritual I would just be comfortable with nudity because this guy he was wearing a mala bead (laughs) my mind was making these excuses like oh if I was more open or whatever I I, you know he's not thinking of this as a sexual thing it's just being naked which is being natural so I was making these excuses up for this guy he starts giving me the creepiest massage of all time like it's really 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 bad Um, getting really close to my crotch area inner thigh area and I was just there like I could feel my just tears burning behind my eyelids I was just you know the worst but I didn't leave I was frozen I just felt I felt paralyzed actually that's that's the word I felt paralyzed like I couldn't move like I was just frozen and I was on my back the whole time which is also strange for for what was supposed to be like a normal deep tissue massage was on my back the whole time and then he starts massaging my chest and then in between my breasts and I'm just lying there and my shoulders are shrugging forward because I just want to die. But I just felt completely unable to move a single limb. And then he goes, he smirks and he goes, ah, this thing is just in the way. Let's just remove it. And he removes the towel that I had covering my breasts and continues to give me like a chest massage. Um, and then abruptly, like uh, really abruptly, just says, oh, okay, uh, I think we're out of time now. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this. And then left the room and, and closed the door. <laughs> And when he left, it was like, I don't know. It was like a, like something like the fear that I was holding on to feeling just completely paralyzed in that really vulnerable, horrible hour that felt like a year. I start hyperventilating, like hyperventilating. I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was going to choke, like I was having a complete panic attack. 
I take my robe, I, I, I cover myself up and I just want to run, you know, and I open the door and he's standing there smiling and, and smiling, like big, big, big smile, like a nasty smile on his face. He's, and he says, I hope you've enjoyed this. I sure did. And when I ran, and I ran, I mean, I, I ran and I came back to the room and I don't remember this a lot. And then I spoke to Dennis about this yesterday. He was says, well, this is like, I remember so clearly you came back. He says, I thought you were going to, I thought you had a near death experience. I thought something like insane happened because you couldn't breathe. You couldn't talk. You were just crying. And he's like, I couldn't get you to calm down at all. It was horrible. And then he wanted to go tell the spa manager what had happened. And I didn't want him to. I felt like this was just, I don't know why, why, like even I had his support that we could have gone and said something and we didn't. And then for a really long time, some, you know, from time to time, I would think like, I wonder about that guy. Like, is he still giving women treatments? Is he still out there doing these things? And I never said anything. And I can see now the reason that I never said anything about any of these instances is because I felt so disempowered. Like I felt so disempowered, like I had no voice, like I am not the one who's going to be believed here, or I felt like they were in a place of power. Uh, I should just be grateful, or I should just, you know, be grateful that I had that job, or I should just be grateful that I got a free treatment, or I should be grateful that whatever. I was afraid that they would be offended. And then most of all, I think I was afraid that what if it wasn't real? You know, what if this is just normal? It's normal to feel violated. It's normal to feel to be treated by a man this way it's normal to like this type of abuse like it's not even abuse it's just normal so I shouldn't even talk about it because it's not something that I should even be reacting to like this is just what it's supposed to be you know I felt so disempowered like what would it change if I said anything like it's not even a big deal and now that I'm going through all of this like all of these things are a big deal all of this every single time that something like this has happened even though I, I don't know if you guys like even now I feel like I've there's a voice, that voice, same voice that tells me that none of this is a big deal. Like I need to explain myself more. What if you guys listening to this now are going to think that that work situation I had, like it was my fault or it wasn't a big deal. Why am I mentioning this here? <laughs> you know, there's still that voice inside my head that, that kind of thinks like I should just shut the fuck up and not talk about this at all. Well, the reason I'm sharing these stories is because these are the ones that feel the ickiest for me. These are the ones that I feel that I feel the most violated. Like I feel more violated about the ex-boss that I had than I did from the guy who actually drugged me with intent to rape. Like I feel, I felt less violated by that because I didn't know that person, right? I didn't, I wasn't in a vulnerable space. I wasn't in this power position where I trusted someone else. Uh, and just that has just, just lingered with me for so long with this really disgusting feeling, you know, in my mouth of just, what did I do to invite that? And, you know, and you know the answer is I did nothing <laughs> like I did nothing to invite any of this shit like nothing 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 even if like consent is consent right so even if you're about to be intimate with a person and you can be all in all the way and then right before you're about to have sex you change your mind you have the fucking right to stand up and walk away like everything is yours like all that power is yours and somehow we're conditioned to believe that that it's not like we don't have the ultimate power over our, our own body and you know what a man says is right and uh you know if you were leading him on or you were interested into it in the beginning but then you weren't so it was your fault or you shouldn't have gone on a trip with a with a man like I should be able to do whatever the fuck I want without someone else feeling like they have the right to touch my body 
Like that's just that's just the truth of, of where we are. And the fact that this isn't an obvious thing, the fact that we are even have to have these conversations today. No, 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 no. Okay, I'm feeling really, really hot and bothered and sweaty and, and kind of disgusted just sharing these stories. But I also feel I feel really empowered <laughs> right now. Like right now, I feel if any of these men were in front of me, I I would tell them to fork the fork off. Like I, I feel like as it is right now, I would be able to really um, to really speak up and to really share the fact that this was not okay and the fact that I have been violated this many times. And my stories compared to so many other women's stories where there's actual like real rape, sexual abuse, you know, I, I'd never had anyone touch me in that way. You know, I was never raped. I was never physically sexually abused. Like I'm super lucky. Uh, and I know so many women out there are not, you know, and I guess what I'm trying to end this with is if there's even a shred of you that feels like you are the one to blame or that you should have done something different. Like I hope, I hope this, these words help you find solace in the fact that it wasn't your fault, right? Nothing you did is to blame. If it didn't feel right, it wasn't right. It wasn't your fault. And also important, I believe you. If you have a story of your own and you want to voice it, I believe you. Like no one is going to have to, um, yeah, no, anyone telling me like, oh, I should verify these stories. And why would you believe these women? Why would I not believe these women? What do we have to gain from lying about these things? Like I have a hundred more <laughs> of these things that I could share um, and I'm not. And it's just because that's, that's what we think. We think it's normal. And it was something that was kind of beautiful in the midst of all of this. Uh, I was sharing with one of, my, one of my sisters. My sisters are all teenagers now. And we were talking about this. And, and I just mentioned, like, you know, if you ever have anything questionable happen with a guy, uh, know that you have the power. Like, you have the power to end it at any moment. Like, you have the power to really say no. And, to, and she was like, what? Why, why are you even saying that? Like, of course I know that. <laughs> She was kind of like, she thought it was weird that I was stating such an obvious thing. <laughs> and I really hope that that's a sign of the fact that the younger generations, you know, that, that it's different for them. That now, like, no means no. Of course it does. Uh, and that, that there, there is already automatically more power in the teens of today, like in, the, in that voice. And in also in coming forward and speaking up and sharing these stories, like... I hope that this power balance is shifting and that it continues shifting so that when my baby girl is is this age that she won't have to suffer through this shit that she won't ever have to look herself in the mirror and think well maybe if I maybe if I hadn't been drunk or maybe if I'd worn a longer skirt this wouldn't have happened to me like fucking pray to every god out there that that the reality will be different and that it's already changing now and I hope I hope by listening and speaking that we are part of that change and I really really believe that we we are so thank you for listening um thank you for sticking with me throughout this this very challenging podcast um thanks for giving me space to to open up about these things if you have a yoga related me too that you would like to share, um, I'm still, you know, the submissions are coming in by the hour. You can email info at rachelbraithen.com. Uh, I will publish everything anonymously and I'm removing names of both predator and survivor. 
in the cases where there are multiple stories coming in about the same man, uh, I'm connecting the survivors of the abuse together if they are open to it um, to see if together um, they want to connect to file charges or to speak up and to out the person's name. So I think knowing that we are not alone in this makes us feel more empowered and like we actually have the ability to do something and to change something. Because if we suffer in silence and we let this shit continue, right? If we suffer in silence, it just means that it just means that next time it happens, we're going to be silent too. So I want us to get together now and fucking roar. So the next time this comes our way, like that silent disempowered voice like doesn't even have to be there you know I want to be the roaring fiery Rachel um, the next time something like this comes my way not the silent person feeling paralyzed or like I did something to invite that um, so I, I, I really at least I feel it in my bones now like I I'm kind of like come at me man <laughs> uh, not that I thought that I want any of this to happen but um, it's going to be interesting, at least for me, the next time I, I'm in a situation even remotely close to anything like this, because there is more fire in my voice now, knowing that all of this is not okay and knowing that I'm not alone. So you are not alone. If you are suffering through trauma right now, or you've been something immensely painful that you want help with, please wait no longer, but look for that help right now. There's a really beautiful organization called RAIN. It exists in the US. That's R-A-I-N-N. You can look them up for help if you're in the USA. If you're in Europe, there is a Rape Crisis Network Europe. Uh, it's rcne.com. So wherever you're at, make sure that you find the support that you need to find healing. Um, so make sure that, you know, we can use the online world as sources of inspiration. We can share our stories. We can get together as a community, but know that true healing needs to happen in the hands of a professional. So if you need any help, please find it, find it, find it, find it. The path to healing begins right now. Um, loving you so much. You are so held, so supported, so safe, um, and you're not alone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy this episode, make sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of these on rachelbraithen.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you normally get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Huge thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And thanks, of course, to all of my sponsors, Daily Harvest, The Tot, and Sunbasket. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I will see you next week. <laughs>